and about to do. How many of you already feel like God was already speaking to you and blessing you while you were blessing him during worship, right? Oh, man, it's so neat how that happens. Uh, let's, let's bow our heads. Father, we come to you. We thank you for this opportunity to give. God, thank you this last week about hearing a testimony of a couple telling me about their finances and they trusting you, God, on the heels of last week's uh, sermon. Father, that already they are seeing your hand of provision. We love you. Can we just say that together? We love you. God, we are so thankful that you are our good father. You provide for us, Lord. God, when we uh, have needs, we present those needs to you, God. And you said in Matthew 6, it's so simple. If we would just ask you that you would pour out your blessing. So we love you. We thank you. We are grateful for this opportunity to give back in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Well, we Most are... people think a church oh. is all about what happens about on the you. stage every weekend, but we know it goes way beyond that. There's that woman who faithfully holds babies in the nursery week in and week out. Plus, there's that couple who gently leads younger couples, helping them figure out all that a marriage really can be. Plus, there's that guy who's always up for driving a minivan full of teenagers to their next youth event. Plus, there are key leaders who make visionary decisions about the direction of the church and are just fine with serving outside of the spotlight. Plus, the guys and gals who run sound and make sure that the right words are on the screen at the right time. Plus, the good people filling the seats who may or may not have their act all together. Side note, no one has their act all together. Add to that the man who arrived early today to pray with anticipation over every empty seat a seat that would be filled by you today. We could go on, but you get the idea. When these less than perfect people are all added together, we're left with a special place full of special people. It's a group of people who are all figuring out how best to follow Jesus so that our lives leave his residue behind in every location and in every conversation. And somewhere in the middle of all this imperfection, we believe that God is smiling and that the bride of Christ is being revealed as beautiful and redemptive in spite of her flaws. And together, we're becoming something that God simply calls church. So can we count you in? Yeah, I love that video. Pastor Dave found that video and uh, it's perfect for the sermon series that we're in. Um, what is the vision of the local church? What is the What's the purpose of the local church? So we talked about our purpose in coming together and worshiping and our, our mission, right, of leading people to follow Jesus together. Jesse did a fantastic job preaching about advancing the kingdom. Can we give Jesse a hand? Where are you at, Jesse? I lost you. Usually she's over there. Over there. You can't be switching up on me like that. You know everybody owns their seat. You know that. You ever come in and just look at someone like, you are in my seat. I hope you don't. That's another church, right? That's other churches. Uh, but no, this, this sermon series, uh, aptly called V, right, is our vision, our values. And today we're talking about our vehicles, which means how do you get from A to B? Because it's one thing to say we value this or we value that, but it's another to create a system or what some churches call programs or what some churches call ministries, right, serve teams, to actually live out these values. So before we get to some of those and those highlights, you're going to hear some testimonies from some people who are on serve teams today. But I want to just share with you from Matthew 6. 
I thought, how do we, where, where does the Bible talk about just the, the kingdom values, where Jesus says this is how we ought to live our life, right? So before we even get into our vehicles, I want to set the foundation first, because we don't do ministry or we don't step into a serve team just because, just because pastor's asking. No, we, we step into a serve opportunity because the kingdom of God is being advanced when we use our grace gifts. Amen? So look at the Sermon on the Mount. This is, in a way, the kingdom values or heaven's values, right? Chapter 6, 1 through 8, he's, he's, Jesus is saying, basically, do the right thing for the right reason. Pray God's agenda, not your own. Anybody, anybody ever feel convicted after a time of prayer, you're praying, and then God's like, all right, when's it my turn to talk? <laughs> Just me. Anybody else? I've done that, and I'm your pastor. There's times I'm praying, I'm like, the Lord's like, all right, now that you've given me li my list, your list, why don't you let me give you my list? And praying God's agenda. Relationships can make or break you, basically. That's what chapter 6, 14, 15 says, how we treat one another. Jesus then talks about focusing on eternal things, not temporary things. He says, don't worry about it. And he probably even had a little Italian accent. Don't worry about it, you know. He said, trust the Father. I mean, I think if I was standing there, that's how he would have sounded personally. God's kingdom is first, not mine. And how about this one? This, usually this one hits the hardest. Judge yourself first before you judge others. Right? That's to get the plank out of your eye first. And I love this last part of that chapter 7 there. If you need it, ask for it. If someone needs it, gives it or give it. All right? If, if you need it, ask the Father. If someone needs it, give it. Do you guys ever think Jesus makes things too simple? You ever just read this sometimes? And, I mean, he's seriously, he's like, if you have need, ask your Father. Right? See, so I might got an amen right there. Come on now. Those are the values of heaven, staying true to what God says, being obedient to who he is. So I would say that we would all nod our head, right, and say, I agree with those kingdom values. Who would all agree? Just say, I agree. But the book of James says something really challenging. All right, so everybody just put your hand on your heart for a minute because it's about to get real. The book of James says even the demons believe and so what happens is you have thousands of people in churches that say, I agree. But there's few that obey. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you still okay? Just go ahead and say, don't get mad at them yet. <laughs> All right? Here we go. I want to tell you that joy, please hear me because it's, it's opposite of what the world will tell you. Joy comes in serving. I promise you. I know you say, Jordan, you're crazy. But joy comes in serving. The world will tell you, pat yourself on the back, serve yourself. But the kingdom of heaven, Jesus would say, find someone to serve. I'm telling you, that's the kingdom of heaven. And there is joy. Remember like we talked about two weeks ago, plant a tree because the joy is in the orchard. Right? When you build a bench, you live for yourself. It's not what the kingdom is about. It's not what Jesus taught us. And as Christians, as Christ followers, there's something powerful and life-giving 
about being on a team and in a group. On a team and in a group. Can everybody say this with me? On a team, in a group. Nice and simple, right? One more time. On a team, in a group. So, you know, we had the worship team up here. We do this little Devo after we do sound check. And I was sharing with them how important it is that you don't just serve, but that you connect, grow, and serve. That you're not just on a serve team, but you're in a life group so you can grow. What can happen is there's people that can, you can serve, 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 and then not, you're not growing in that real tra transparent, genuine friendship, relationship, life-giving um, relationships. You have to have those. Everybody does. Even if you've been following Jesus for 20 years, 40 years. Some of you just show your age right now. How many have been following Jesus for 40 years? Come on. Don't raise it like you've been in the wilderness 40 years. <laughs> All right. All right. One more time. Raise your hand if you've been following Jesus for 40 years. This time, own it. There you go. That's huge. That's awesome. That's incredible. So there's, um, <laughs> I love your passion. There's, there's multiple ways to serve. Multiple ways to serve. Um, the very first one, before I get to United Worship, I'm going to actually have Olivia come first. Can I have you come first? All right. So Olivia, by the way, I wanted her also up here because I wanted you guys to meet uh, your new administrator, if you have heard, if you have called the church and heard that, that voice, that's, are you going to do the hop? Oh, man, who's impressed? I was, that was impressive. Oh. I'll take the mic back. No, I'm just kidding. She's going to tell you about an opportunity that we, we, uh, we missed a couple years, but most years we do this. And it's a really cool opportunity that's outside of Rock of Grace for you to serve in, which is really cool. Okay, so, um, so like Jordan said, I'm Olivia. I'm the new administrator. Um, if I don't know you, I want to get to know you. Um, there's a lot of people in here I don't actually know. Um, but we have a really cool opportunity for the next month till Father's Day. Um, there is, I'm going to say home. It's not an organization. It's a, it's a home. Hannah's home in Menor, Ohio. Um, it's a lot like Bella and Willow around here. They help... Um, single mothers and women that are pregnant that have found themselves just in unexpected situations. Um, they help them mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Um, you know, it's a Christ-centered facility. They want to just help them stay on their feet and um, just support them in any way they can, whether it's counseling for whatever situation they've gone through or helping them find education, careers, um, whatever that would be. So we have these little baby bottles um, out in a basket in a foyer, and we're going to fill these up throughout this entire month, like I said, till Father's Day. Um, so you can take one or two, however many you want. We have 150, so I'm hoping we can fill that many. If we don't, that's, you know, it's whatever you guys feel led to give. Um, but for those of you that are parents or have been parents, you know how expensive babies can be. Um, and it says that $20 is a week of diapers. That just, <laughs> that's, I know, because I worked in a daycare, so I know how expensive it is. Um, but just that little bit, you're giving a week of diapers to somebody. And they have so much to offer Hannah's Home. I think as of last year, I got to talk with Jamie, one of their directors, and um, as of last year, they opened up a daycare center. So not only are they supporting these women during their pregnancy, they're supporting them and their children after um, and taking care of their kids. And coming from, I just came from working at a daycare for four years, 
Um, that takes a lot of money, a lot of funding, um, a lot of staff and support. And so this is just a really cool way for us as Rock of Grace, as a church family, to serve outside of these four walls. Um, we're one of many businesses and churches that is helping out Hannah's home at this time. So if you feel led to give, um, take a bottle and you can return them throughout the month. So thanks. Thank you so much. So make sure you grab a bottle on your way out. And again, it's, it's, it's serving. It's finding a way to say, how can I give, whether it's my time or my finances. Uh, I want us to look at John 17, and then we're going to talk about a ministry that we partner with um, all the time here, a parachurch para ministry. John 17, this is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's actually a passage I've preached on, I would say, more than any other passage. He talks about Jesus is praying, and he's talking about unity in his children and how important it is to him and Father God. He says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, why, did Je why was Jesus sent? Look what he said. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory I had before the world existed. So think about this. Jesus was glorified in heaven, and God sent his son Jesus Right? To die on a cross to forgive us of our sins. Now notice he's saying that's the precipice. He says that's who I am. That's who the Father is. He loves you enough to send me to come down to give my life for you. I am accomplishing that work. But what is the work? That he would create a people unto himself. We actually were just singing it, right? Spontaneously. We are a people. This is your place. Look at this. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and you have kept your word. They have kept your word. Now they know everything you have given me is from you. I have given them the words you gave me, and they received them. How many of you have received the words of Jesus as eternal life? Right? Look at this. They believed. They have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. Do you know Jesus prays for you? He says, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have already given me, they are yours. All of mine are yours. Yours are mine. I am glorified in them. But they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one. Everybody say one. Think about that. That they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you've given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that's Judas, and the scripture, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may, that my joy, that they may have my joy fulfilled. Now, wait a minute. Did you know you can have Jesus' joy? Do you know that? Think about that. Once you believe this, once you let it really resonate in your heart, you can have the joy that comes, hear me, in not just believing in his name, but serving together. Think about that. In unity, being in unity, where no other church, no other uh, Christian, no, nothing is competition, it's collaboration. One of my favorite things in my traveling years when we would go out and minister and preach and lead worship is the beauty of the body of Christ coming together, 
Music has a way, worship has a way of bringing denominations together. How many think Jesus smiles when he sees all the denominations come together? So I'm going to have Ruth come up, and she's going to talk about a ministry that we partner with all the time. Uh, most of you are very familiar with it, called United Worship, in a way that you might be able to step into this vehicle, right, and help people live out these values, go from A to B in their faith, because you're stepping into this vehicle to do this. Thank you. Uh, most of you know that Will Collins, our worship leader, started United Worship back in 2016. And I serve as the administrator for United Worship. And since 2016, we have seen almost 2,000 people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. It's amazing. And those people are getting plugged in in churches near them, and they're serving there. So it it's, goes on just beyond just becoming saved. So many, um, have, many of you have been to an Immerse Night, and you know what those are like. But there's so much more about this ministry that you probably don't know. Um, many ministries have been birthed through the Holy Spirit from Immerse Nights and other things that we do with United Worship. We have a network of intercessory prayer warriors. So if you're an intercessor and you want to pray with other churches for revival in our area, or whatever God is laying on their hearts, then talk to me. We can plug you in. We also have some outreach and evangelism opportunities. Many of those are street ministries. They take place in Youngstown and Pittsburgh and uh, Akron. We also have a really amazing discipleship program, which can help you lead more effectively here in our church. So if you're interested in those things, just let me know. Also, here's the big thing that God has been laying on our hearts. We want to see... Immerse nights in other locations, which would include like Youngstown and into Pennsylvania. Um, but to have multiple regions, we need multiple groups of people who can come in and help it work. So if you have experienced an immerse night and you want to be part of serving in what that looks like in another area, just come talk to me and we would be happy to plug you in. Thank you so much. Give her a hand. You know, we, we actually give every month to uh, United Worship as a church. Do you know why? I see the fruit. Just like when we give to a missionary, it's a local missionary. I see people come to Christ. I, I met a guy um, a month or two, about two months ago, and he was saved at an immerse. And he told me his life was radically changed. And those are the conversations that I'm like, man, we're going to partner with you. So United Worship is a great parachurch ministry that you can say, you know what, I can help once a month on an evangelism team or on a prayer team or what have you. So let Ruth know. Everybody's, everybody uh, just met. If you didn't know who Ruth was, she's the person to talk to for that. Another powerful ministry here, uh, this has been one of the most obvious ministries here as we started our first of four Transform Trumbull initiatives, is FAM. What is FAM? Right? It's Family Advocacy Ministry. All right. So another way to say it, to make it like real clear, what does that mean? It's foster care and adoption ministry. Guys, it's been remarkable. We've had three adoptions, 26 foster children, and 36 respite children. That's awesome. It's so awesome. Guys, I remember taking time praying before I was becoming a pastor, and I remember kept asking the Lord, what do you want us to do, Right? The, the Moses method, put your face on the ground and just say, God, what do you want? And I kept hearing him say, this city, this region, right here, right here. 
And, and it was, it's amazing to see the dollars that went overseas and, and so many, most of you actually continue giving to those missionaries. But I don't know about you, the Bible says right there that we got to go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And often it's easier to go to the ends of the earth. Often it's easier to go on a mission trip, you know, or, or to make that support than it is to say, okay, wait a minute, what's, how can I serve someone right here in my backyard? So I set up meetings with some people who I started sharing this vision with other pastors and I got in touch with a, a group called Backyard Orphans. I basically took their, what they do and simplified it down. Uh, they do 12 things for each foster family and it would take a church of like 5,000 to do that. So we said, we're just gonna do f- these four things, right? So what we provide is babysitting, a meal, a house cleaning, and prayer for each foster family. Now, why do we do that? Isn't that so cool? And guess what? All of our foster families are covered. I'm looking at some of the people who bring meals and clean houses. It's, it's amazing because a lot of times we don't. But here, here's what's been so cool. We set this up to care for the foster family because 80% of foster families quit after year two if they don't have support. That's what the data tells us. That's what Trumbull County Children's Services, I remember learning that. And as I heard that, I'm like, wow, that goes so well with what I heard about Backyard Orphans, how they need a support team. They need a support team. And I can't tell you, as a foster dad myself, it is priceless when you're coming home and there's already the chaos of five kids and maybe you've already had a full day and then to have a meal brought and be like, oh man, we don't have to cook everything right now, we just sit down and enjoy the family. I see, I see some foster parents going, yes, praise them. Carrie felt a witness of the spirit on that. She's like, anybody want to come, you know, bring me five meals? You know, you just feel so led. But what this did was it found a way, though, this is what I've heard from some of you, if it found a way for some of you to say, you know what, I, I don't want to preach. I don't want to, I don't feel called to serve in this department, but you know what I like to do? I love to cook a meal. And some of you, I've even heard you say, I like to clean. I think you may be a little messed up in the head if you, but other than that, that's why I always tell my lady, I don't know why you like this. She's like, I just love it. She goes, I say, you missed a spot. No, I didn't. <laughs> I would never do that. I did not. I had too much coffee today. Forgive me. All right. So why is this important? It's important to us because it's important to him. Let me say it again. It's important to us because it's important to him. Psalm 68, 5, I love this. This is our key verse for foster care ministry. Is the Lord puts the orphan in families. Guys, cool story. Our adoption is going to be two days after Father's Day. You're about to see me do a glory dance. You know? Was anybody here for Andrew Pitt's glory dance? I can't do it as good as he did. Well, he, anyway. (laughs) If you haven't seen that video, go on Facebook and scroll down about four months. Four months. That's a lot of scrolling. All right, James 1. Look at this. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Coming down from who? Come on, say the Father. The Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth in the word of truth that we should be kind, should be a kind of first fruits of his creation. Why is this verse important? 
Because there's so many kids who need to realize they have a perfect heavenly father. Let me say it again. There are so many kids who need to understand that they have a perfect heavenly father. And if you say, well, actually, I'm, I'm praying about foster care, but it just looks really hard. I have news for you. It is. <laughs> right? I love to say it's really easy. Yeah. They just, you know, he sleeps 10 hours and he wakes up and he says, good morning, Father. I've made you breakfast. But that is not at all how it goes. It's a lot of work. But you know what? Life can be easy or life can be meaningful. And if you say, I want to build the kingdom and I want to impact and be meaningful in a life, I'm telling you, later in life, you're in your 50s, your 60s, you're looking back, you're going to go, wow. Those six years, we changed that child's life. You're not going to look back and say, I'm glad I bought that Ford F-350 with the extended cab. Come on. You laugh, but you know I'm preaching at you. Some are like, oh, man, he's prophesying. How did he know I just bought that last week? I didn't know, but God knew. No, I'm just kidding. You can live. You could say, okay, actually this, this car is fine. What if I take this time or money and change your life? You know? And you can even start, by the way, with mentoring. There's children, there's teenagers at TCCS who you can pick up for one day per week. I had a friend tell me that this girl's life was changed because they own a pizza hut. And she brought this girl, she's 16, and they taught her how to make pizzas. And she came to life. She looked at them, they're on their way home. She said, I'm going to be a chef. I've never known what I want to do with my life. I've never had a, I never knew what I want to do. Now I know I'm going to be a chef. Pumped. Totally pumped. She insisted that my, if they're my neighbors, she insisted that my neighbors take them back to pizza, take her back to Pizza Hut every month to make pizzas. She found some, some joy, some family, some friend, and some purpose. Guys, once a month, once a month, turn to your neighbor and say, you can do it. I'm not saying all these things. I'm just giving you opportunities. One of these things, all right? So if you want to learn more about that, if you want to learn more about that, um, check out our website. Just go to fam.rockofgrace.org or just click Rock of Grace and you'll see it under the ministry teams. I want to invite up my sister, Emily. Come on up. And if Trevor, I think, is coming to, yeah. And uh, they're going to talk about life groups, right? What are life groups? Life groups, you've heard me say this a million times since I became pastor. Life groups are our primary way that we do discipleship, primary way. We, we had uh, four life groups uh, when I had started, and then we had uh, Sunday school. But what I found was with Wednesday night and with Sunday school, it was, it's, it was great, but it was always the same 40 people. I could look around the room, count them all by name. It was always the same people. And I thought, Lord, how can we make more disciples? How can we make more disciples? And he kept leading me to Acts 2. So I'm going to have them share about what it means to be in a life group and how God has enriched their lives in doing that. Um, we've been in life groups pretty much since we got married. We've always been in a couples group. And um, one verse that uh, we kind of feel leads, led us to this is 
And let us, let us consider, it's Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not, not giving up meeting together. And um, I wanted to tell a story. Uh, there was a family that we knew back in Chicago. And uh, he, this was back around 2008, and during a financial crisis. And he, had, he was in the financial services business. And he basically, his firm came and said, we're slashing your salary and eliminating bonuses. And their bonus was like half of their salary. And he was freaking out. He, they're a very type A guy and um, new family. They just built a house. And we, he really put it in front of the group and was asking for prayer and what to do. And just, he was, he was freaking out. And we just came alongside him, met with him personally. And we just talked, talked through the whole situation. And um, it really provided support for them at a time of need. Long story short, um, the firm, things, things improved. He ended up, they restored everything, even back pay. And um, we were able to celebrate that <clears throat> just as a testimony with them too. So it wasn't just the hard times, it was the good times that we were able to. And it's important to have that fabric of not just family, but friends and people with, from the church that you can kind of go through these things together with. And so that was just a real-world example of how life groups have uh, impacted us. Yeah, like you said, that we have story after story because we've, we've been in a life group or leading a life group since we got married almost 24 years ago already. Um, and it's just really special when you can come together in a home and you just let your guard down and you share meal together, you share your, you just open the word of God, and you just sit down, and you go through scriptures, and just all of that stuff, it gets just really personal, and people are able to share their hard times, and then you're able to celebrate victories, and you raise your kids together, it's just, you just look forward to that time that, you know, that you don't get to do that kind of stuff on Sunday morning when you just greet somebody, um, it's just when you come together in somebody's home and just be able to just engage. And it's just been a great, it's just really encouraged our marriage, our family, our friends. And I just really encourage everybody, if you can get in a life group, it's amazing. Thank you so much. Give them a hand. You know, that was just one of 12 life groups. And there'll be more life groups starting this fall. Um, as we look at some seasonal groups. And honestly, I just told someone last week, um, I asked them to pray about opening their home. And maybe you're, you're listening right now, and you know what? I really, I really have that gift of hospitality. I like to make people feel welcome. Um, consider opening up your home. Consider opening up your home and saying, you know what? Once a month or twice a month, we can open our home, invite everybody to bring a, bring a dish, you have a meal together. I call it the Jesus form of discipleship. Did you guys know that Jesus was always eating? By the way, who loves to eat? Come on, can I get a witness? Exactly, right? I mean, Jesus rose from the dead. What's the first thing to do? He's like, let's have breakfast, right? He makes some breakfast. Why? Something happens over a meal. Something happens over a meal. I'm telling you, friendship happens over a meal. And you can impact someone's life by having a meal together. And then I want to, I want to highlight two things she said. Praying through their struggles together and then celebrating when God comes through. I'm telling you, that is priceless. 
And when I've taught on spiritual gifts here, I always say life groups is the primary space for you to exercise spiritual gifts. Let me say it again, life groups. Think about it. Someone has the gift of prophecy. Maybe you're praying at the end as you go, you know, you just sense that in someone's life. You go up and, man, I just feel like God's saying this to you. And it's like, oh, how did you know? And you have that time to pray together. It's not, it's not like a Sunday morning. You have a lot more time. That gift of hospitality, that gift of compassion. Like, they, like he said, they were moved with compassion, and they surrounded this man going through a financial stress, showed compassion, showed generosity. I guarantee you some generosity there. All the spiritual gifts listed in 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, those are lived out in a life groups. A life group. Everybody say life groups. All right, for the sake of time, I won't read this whole passage, but I just want to read a little bit of this from 1 Corinthians 12. There are a variety of gifts, the same spirit, a variety of service, but the same Lord. There's a variety of activities, but it's the same God. Same God. Everybody say same God. Who empowers them all. I love that. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given the spirit of utterance of wisdom. Do you guys have one of those friends, I can name a few right at the top of my head, that it's like they have the gift of wisdom. Every time you're around them, you're just like, you are so smart. You know what I'm talking about? You just walk away going, man, I just learned something. There's people sitting at your life group that have the gift of wisdom. Or a life group that you're not in yet. And you need that wisdom. Right there, ready to share. Right? To another, by faith, the same spirit, to another gifts of healing. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. Right? If you say, what's that about? That's, you know, if you have someone speak in tongues in a, in a hush moment where everybody's quiet and then there's this, this spoken kind of, um, not spoken word, but the sound of like uh, tongues, what they call it. And then somebody interprets that and it's like a message from heaven for your whole group. Now, here's what's powerful. Often, someone in the room, is that's, it's for them. I had, a, I had a pastor tell me two weeks ago, he had an utterance in tongues, and it was the exact language of a guest, which this happened to my dad one time in Florida. It was the exact unique language and dialect of a guest that day from another country. How many of us know God's really smart? Come on. Is, is God smart? Come on. He's so good. Just as one body... As the body is one and as many members, all the members uh, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. Right? If the foot should say, hey, because I'm not the hand, I don't belong. So I wanted to stop you right now. If you say, well, I just... I just don't belong. I don't, I don't really have anything to give. Yes, you do. You're believing a lie from the enemy if you think you have nothing to give. You absolutely have something to give, right? If he were to say, I have no need of you, or again, to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are, are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Which is our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body. Do you hear that? God composed the body of Christ. 
giving greater honor to those that lacked it. Think about this. God put you, think about this. God put you in this church. That's what the scripture just said. God put you, and in fact, I've had so many people even say that. We feel like God led us to this church. And, and, you, and you connect so well with the vision and the people, and you say, man, I need my life group. Or the couple people I pray with and talk with every Sunday, I, I, God has been growing me. How many of you guys feel that way? Like God, you, God's been blessing you and growing you in the body of believers. We see here that Christ made it clear that in a life group or in a small group, and you say, where's, where's life groups in the Bible? Right there, Acts chapter 2. They met with glad and sincere hearts, and they exchanged bread, and they prayed for one another, and they were lacking nothing. Think about that. I wonder if some of us are lacking something because we're not in the plan, the vehicle that God built, the vehicle of a small group coming together and sharing, sharing a meal, sharing prayer, sharing our needs, and then rejoicing with one another. I love this. If one member suffers, we all suffer together. If one member is honored, we all rejoice together. That's my favorite part of that chapter, right? If one member suffers, we all suffer together. And when we celebrate, we celebrate together. Guys, can I tell you, that's what makes life meaningful. That's what life is about. Amen? I want to give you one last vehicle highlight. There's, there's a couple more, but I sake of time, I'm just going to give you worship team. Right? If you, if you say, you know what, I, but by the way, I heard you guys singing today. There's some... There's some, there's some altos and sopranos out here that we're, we're going to have to get on a launch team, on a worship team in the next church plant because you guys are like, wow, we're in a rotation up here in Kinsman. Because there are places you can serve, like a worship team, where you say, you know what, music comes really easy to me, easy to me or uh, hospitality. Did you guys all, all meet Ruth? Everybody was waved to Ruth again. She actually also leads our hospitality ministry. She has cloned herself several times. I don't. Don't know how she does it, but but yeah, our greeters and our ushers, she collaborates with them and makes sure that, you know, everything's in place for people to feel welcome. So if you say, you know, I can serve in the welcome center, right, or I can be at the door and I can help moms come in and all that. There's so many ways that you can serve, all right? I want you to stand up to your feet. And as you're standing, I want you to grab that little serve card, and on that card, you will see some opportunities. Now, again, we know that 60% of you right now are already on a serve team. So 60% of you are able to look at that card and you say, that's, I've got that ministry. And that's awesome, right? But there's still a large portion of you that aren't serving yet. And I want to encourage you. Joy comes in serving. Jesus meant it when he said it's better to give. And that's not just of finances. It's giving of yourself giving of your time. When you know that your life is impacting another life and helping them understand the goodness of God, that's priceless. And you can do that whether you're leading a life group or honestly just opening a door and being a welcoming smile on the hospitality team. If they have a great, if our guests have a great experience in the foyer and they feel like, man, these people actually are kind, like they want me here. Don't you think their heart is going to be even more open to the gospel by the time they come to the sanctuary? Amen? So there's so many serve team opportunities. Next generation, maybe you're really good with kids, right? Maybe you're really good with kids. 
consider serving in Next Gen with Christine. Why don't you just bow your heads for a minute? I know this kind of sermon is different. It's one of those Rock of Grace vision type weeks and maybe God spoke to you in a different way today. Maybe it's through Emily and Trevor's story. Maybe missing out on those kind of moments with people, their life change moments. I just want you to know that you are a needed member in the body of Christ. We have this ministry where we help build ramps for people and different things that are going through something difficult. And we had a couple guys build a ramp for someone who just got out of the hospital in our church and is in the process of being healed. And for now they're in a wheelchair and a ramp